Welcome to Demand and Disrupt the Disability Podcast. Here, we will learn to advocate for ourselves and each other. This podcast is supported with funds from the Advocato Press based in Louisville, Kentucky. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Demand and Disrupt, a disability podcast. And we are going to learn about all things Independent Living Council today. And what is the Independent Living Council, you ask? Well, you're about to find out. And by the end of this episode, you will know everything you ever wanted to know about it. And joining us first is Esther Redajewski, and she is the coordinator for the Statewide Independent Living Council. And it just gets shorthanded for people in the know as the SILC, S-I-L-C. So Esther, welcome and thanks for joining us. Thank you, Kimberly. It's great to be here. So tell me about yourself and how you ended up becoming the coordinator for the SILC. I, the long story, I came to Kentucky in 1997 as a grad student in geography, totally unrelated. I worked as a geography professor at Moorhead State University for four years after my degree was finished. And then I took time off to be a mom and I was home with my kids for 10 years. And then one of my friends who knew about the opening on the silk and she knew that I was looking to get back into a more professional position, thought that I would be able to do it well and that I should apply. So I said, okay, why not? And I applied and I got the job. And I didn't know a lot about independent living. This was in 2020, so it's only been three years. But I knew I had the skills that are needed for the job of working with people, writing, reporting, assessment, organizing meetings, all those kinds of things. And I've it's been a great job for the past three years. I've learned a lot. So tell me, what is the Statewide Independent Living Council here in Kentucky? It is a cross-disability council of citizens. So that means people with all different kinds of disabilities, not just physical or developmental, but any kind of disability. Um, The citizens are appointed by the governor, and more than half of them are required to be people with a disability. It is, there is one in every state and territory in the United States. Um, They're federally mandated council funded by the federal government. And the SILC has a lot of different duties, um, but in general provides leadership for Kentucky's independent living network, which includes both the council and the centers for independent living. So tell me about that. Tell me about the the Independent Living Network in Kentucky, what that consists of. It is the uh, Statewide Independent Living Council, plus we have centers for independent living that cover about half the state. We're really kind of underrepresented. Some states have, they're called SILs, C-I-L, Center for Independent Living. Some states like Florida, I know, they have one in every single county in their state. We don't have that. But we wow. do have Center for Accessible Living, which has two locate, three locations in the state, Louisville, Bowling Green, and Murray, and counties near, not just one county each, but they each, each of those cover several counties. And then we have Independence Place based in Lexington, which also covers a number of counties in central Kentucky, and then Disability Resource Center in Hazard, which covers several counties in southeastern Kentucky. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And so it's federally mandated. So tell me about what that means and why that's important. It is set up in the Rehabilitation Act that every state will have an independent living council. Um, what this is for is so that people with disabilities have a say and they're not just participating in programs run by other people who decide what's best for people with disabilities, but that people with disabilities themselves get to have a say in deciding what programs they need, what programs they want, how to live independently. And so the independent living councils are part of that. You know, more than half the people on the council are required to be people with disabilities so they can give people with disabilities a voice at the state level. And that's uh, that's very important in the the um, rallying cry in 1990 when we were trying to get the ADA passed was nothing about us without us. Exactly. Very important. Well, thanks. Thanks, Esther. Thanks so much for being with us and talking to us today. I appreciate your help. Yeah, sure. And now we have with us to learn more about the silk. We have the current chairperson of the Kentucky Statewide Independent Living Council, Grace Jeter. Grace, thanks for being with us. Thank you so much for inviting me, Kimberly. Happy to be here. Well, so tell us about yourself, Grace. Well, I have been involved with the disability community since a young age when my younger sister was born with Down syndrome. Um, And since then, I have gotten involved with a variety of volunteer and professional experiences um, that were all somehow related to serving underserved populations, mostly relating to disability. And I currently work at an elder law firm. It's Bluegrass Elder Law in Lexington. And the vision and mission of that often involves serving the disabled and aging community. So it kind of walks hand in hand with the silk in that way. Um, And last month in April, 2023, I was um, elected chair of the Kentucky Statewide Independent Living Council. Oh, great, great. How long had had you served on the council before or is that when you began? Um, I believe I was appointed in November of 2019. Okay. Okay. Well, congratulations. Thank you. So tell me about the history of the Silk as an organization here in Kentucky. Absolutely. So as Esther covered a little bit, it is a federally mandated nonprofit organization, um, and it was established under the authority of the Rehabilitation Act in 1973, and council members are appointed by the governor, and the Silk is has the purpose to develop the state plan for independent living, support um, other centers for independent living, monitor and evaluate the state plan, and just um, provide support and direction to the SILs as needed. Okay, great. And tell me how members are chosen to be on the SILC. Absolutely. So anyone interested in serving is supposed to reach out to the coordinator of the SILC or the currently serving chair of the nominating committee. And the nominating committee consists of a portion of the council, usually about four members because there are 16 members overall. And the committee collects application materials from anybody who's interested and recommends who to appoint um, to one of to the full council at one of the quarterly meetings. Um, and then at that point, once the council votes on who they would like to appoint, we send that recommendation 
to the governor's office of boards and commissions and they make it official. Of course, with the way state government works, that is a simplification of how it gets done. There are several layers, but that's the gist of it. So does it take a while once someone fills in their fills out their application? It depends when they fill it out, um, because typically the nominating committee will meet um, a few weeks before the regularly scheduled quarterly meeting, and then the quarterly meeting will have to come and it will be voted on. And then once it's submitted to the governor's office, it can take a few more months. So it really depends where in the year they submit it. But also, I want to note that people are able to serve on the silk committees without being officially appointed by the governor. So anybody who's interested is welcome to serve on our different committees. We welcome anybody's expertise and interest in that. And what kind of committees are there? Well, currently we have the nominating committee, as I just mentioned. Um, we have the public awareness committee and then um, a committee for the state plan on independent living. And so that is kind of self-explanatory, but they you know, create the state plan and discuss the changes and discuss what the goals should be for the independent living network in Kentucky. And then lastly, we have the finance committee as well. And so they kind of manage the budget and take a look at where the money's going and make recommendations in that area as well. And that would be money that comes from Money that comes from federal grants um, and other grants come through as well um, on a case-by-case basis. Okay. Is that money that comes in from the federal grant, is that one big, you know, pile that comes in or does it come from several different sections of the federal budget? I'm not sure from what sections of the federal budget it comes. It does come in a few different designations. And I think Esther would probably be best to clarify that, but um, there are some in different section portions of the money is designated for different purposes from the federal okay. government. And why is such an organization important to the well-being of Kentuckians with disabilities? Absolutely. So the purpose of the SILK is to promote basically a philosophy of independent living for Kentuckians and maximize the integration and inclusions of all individuals with all sorts of disabilities into the mainstream of society. And of course, as Esther talked about earlier, um, at least 51% of our members have a disability. So it's really important that we incorporate opinions of people with disabilities to make sure we're really doing what's best. And independent living itself is really important to the well-being of disabled Kentuckians because it basically is a movement of people with disabilities who work for self-determination, equal opportunities, and self-respect. And it doesn't necessarily mean doing everything by yourselves and not needing anybody to help, um, but just to maximize the integration into society and live a full life and reach their full potential. Thank you. That's so important. It really is. And what are the priorities that the SILK is working toward right now? Currently, in February 2023, we actually got approved by the IRS as a nonprofit organization or a 501c3. So right now, we are just working on that transition to fully establish ourselves in that way and just put new policies and procedures in place so we can increase our effectiveness in supporting the SILKs across Kentucky. Okay. What issues do you look forward to taking on in the future? And I can kind of point to our current state plan for independent living, the SILK, as well as um, representatives from all of the centers for independent living across Kentucky have agreed on these goals. And the first one is to engage local and state policymakers with the needs of Kentuckians with disabilities, 
um, particularly regarding housing, transportation, and disaster response. The second one is to basically spread the word and make, make sure people know who we are and just what independent living services are available to them. Trying to do this through presentations, attendance at community events, uh, we plan to create and launch a website and also kind of increase our collaboration with other disability-related organizations. Our third goal, we want to create an emergency response plan, especially after COVID and some other weather um, emergencies that we've been experiencing. And we just want to grow in our ability to prepare Kentuckians with disabilities for these types of disasters and mostly to have a coordinated response in place because we kind of, we realized that we didn't have a adequate response when all of these things were happening one after another. And then we're also continuing to establish the nonprofit of the silk and increase our capacity to carry out our duties. And of course, the goal that's always in there is to continue to provide our five core services our information and referral, independent living skills training, peer counseling, individual and systems advocacy, and transition. Excellent. I'm Lisa McKinley. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Bobby Begley. Bobby is a longtime council member of the Kentucky Statewide Independent Living Council. Hello, Bobby. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Why don't we start by you telling us a little bit about yourself? Well, I'm uh, 72 years old. Uh, I'm a former underground coal miner for 15 years. And uh, then in, I have a son and a daughter and four grandchildren. And my vision, I started losing it uh, which is called retinitis pigmentosa, RP for short. And actually, it was in uh, January or February of 85, I was diagnosed with that loss. And I was told I would eventually go blind. But it wouldn't, at my age, it probably goes slow, and it was tunnel vision, so... Uh, I went to uh, Hazard Community College, 91 to 93. I was considered a non-traditional student at my age. And from uh, 93 to 2000, I went to Morehead State, earned a bachelor's degree in K through 12 LBD, which is Learning Behavior Disorder with uh, a minor in social studies. And then I put several applications out in the summer of 98. And then in the fall of 98, I went back and got my master's in secondary education, guidance, and counseling. That is quite an accomplishment after receiving a diagnosis such as retinitis pigmentosa. Now, you are a council member of the Kentucky Statewide Independent Living Council. Tell me a little more about that. Well, uh, we are a board is under the DAIL, which is Dale, the Department of Aging and Independent Living. 
before that, about four some years ago, we were under OVR, went to the office for uh, rehab, a vocational rehab, which was Department for the Blind at the start. And uh, what we do, we have three centers in Kentucky that we collaborate with. One is in Lexington called the IP Place. The other one is in Louisville called Cal Center for Accessible Living. And we have one in Hazard Disability Resource Center. And their main office is uh, in Knoxville, Tennessee. So, and we come up with state independent living plans ideas for independent living and getting information out for people who wish to um, get information from these centers for instance uh, basically a referral place where people can call or set up appointments and meet with these centers to get information about independent living. So you help get people connected with resources across the state for independent living? Uh, yeah, so we, we get the information and we also uh, review and study what other states are doing with their standards. Of course, we got rules. We gotta go by the state and federal regulations. So, what we can do and cannot do. So, we get them the information for the people who want it, but we don't um, hand money out to them. I mean, we got a budget that we have to go by instead of plans. Uh, we're switching over to uh, 5013C where we can uh, when both start in October of this year where we can set up fundraisers and things like that and uh, create another website to, uh, where we can people can access it, you know the websites and so on and uh, it, all the programs that we are aware of, uh, we we try to pass that information on to them. And if we meet any, if we meet any individuals, depending on the location of where they live in the state of Kentucky, we give them the information to what center and other available resources are close to their area so they can get in contact with those people. Now, Bobby, I know that lots of different things come to mind when people hear independent living. For some, that means to live completely on your own. For others, it means, you know, less help from from outside sources. 
What does independent living mean to you? I had freedom to move around in my own place for one thing. <laughs> but uh, it's, uh, I mean, there's limitations to what you can do for yourself. Great advice. That was Bobby Begley with the Statewide Independent Living Council. Thank you, Bobby, and thank you, listeners. Until next time, I'm Lisa McKinley. If you like the podcast, remember to follow or subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you really like the podcast, we'd love it if you could leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. That helps more people to find us. If you really, really like the podcast, then please tell someone about it, either in person or send them an email or just share the link on social media. Thank you all. Every bit helps and it makes a huge difference for us. If you'd like a transcript, please send us an email to demandanddisrupt at gmail.com and put transcript in the subject line. Thanks to Steve Moore for helping us out with transcripts. Thanks to Chris Unkin for our theme music. Demand and Disrupt is a publication of the Advocado Press with generous support from the Center for Accessible Living located in Louisville, Kentucky. And you can find links to buy the book, A Celebration of Family, Stories of Parents with Disabilities, in our show notes. Thanks, everyone. You say you've seen a change in me Just for once I think I would agree
Gott sieht Jan.